Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is December 10th, 2020, and this is episode 309. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll catch up on all things Birdland since the end of the 2020 season. We'll also remind ourselves that we have a podcast and uh, we probably should do it more often. Huh. All right. Sure. Sure. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what's on your lips this week? Uh, Jake, um, I'm, I'm prepared to be judged here. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, in essence, lube myself up for this one. But uh, Jake, um, I am drinking a dogfish head pumpkin ale this evening. I don't even know what to make of that. Am I am I disappointed because it's pumpkin? Am I disappointed because it's too late for pumpkin? I I don't know where to go with that, Scotty. So I'm just going to say... Can we just go with tacogirl.gif? I'm going to say good for you. You know what? It's 2020. You do what makes you happy. Yeah, this is just clearing out the beer fridge uh, for some some Christmas beverages uh, later in the future. Good for you. Good for you. All right. I bought myself a IPA sampler from the 21st Amendment Brewery, um, and all of those have been delicious. There was a... Um, there was a blood orange. There was an IPA. Right now, I'm drinking the Down to Earth Session IPA. And if you're not uh, familiar with 21st Amendment Brewery, uh, become familiar. It's been it's been very good. It's, it's highly recommended. Remember back in the good old days when you said, "I'm not going to buy any alcohol for a prolonged period of time." Those mm. were the good old days. Those were the bad old days. Yeah. If you want to find out what we're drinking on a daily slash weekly slash monthly basis, uh, check us out on tap. You can find me at MEGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. I got to tell you, Scotty, I saw a quote that came through on the Twitters and I said, that quote, whew, that is, that's, that's something. It's something else. I'll tell you that much. This is a tweet that comes to us from Joe Treza. He quotes, of course, or tweets, of course, at Joe Trez with two Z's. Mike Elias on the state of the hashtag Orioles rebuild. There will come a time when we flip the switch to maximizing wins in the upcoming season, but we're not there yet. This isn't fun. End quote. This isn't fun. I feel like we're going to see this quote again throughout the rest of the season. Uh, listen, um, if Orioles PR doesn't come up with a shirt that just says, this isn't fun, uh, we've done <laughs> things incorrectly in the upcoming 2021 season. If Orioles Twitter doesn't come up with a shirt that says, this isn't, this fun, isn't fun, what are we even doing? What here? are we even doing here? Uh, as we all know, 2020 um, has been uh, an epic disaster is the best way to put it. Um, and I think we're all kind of going into this holiday season and just you know hoping and praying that we can survive. And yet, you know, news is coming out that <sighs> it just makes it a little bit tougher, honestly. Um, Jake, this next week comes from Orioles on Masson at Masson Orioles. Thomas Ashelman has cleared outright waivers and has elected free agency. <sighs> it was good while it lasted. 
It's good while it lasted. If nobody else appreciates it, Scott, I really enjoyed the buildup for that payoff. <laughs> that is that is your first Christmas gift to me. All right, our next tweet comes from Matt Cronenser, because what would this week on the Twitters be without him? At Matt Cronenser. And he tweets, Teachers don't make enough money, and anyone who disagrees should have to attend multiple virtual pre-K classes. Yes. Pre-K, elementary, middle, high school. Teachers. Teachers don't make teachers didn't make enough money before COVID. Um, but since you and I, Scotty, have married into the profession, we of course know how difficult that job is. And you know, even when there's no baseball, Matt Kremnitz are just delivering the content we need. Absolutely. No, no question about it. Uh, and, you know, since our wives are listening to our podcast on a weekly and, and daily basis, um, <laughs> you know, obviously we, we've got to say nice things about them. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before holiday season is coming up uh, and this next week comes from the Baltimore Orioles at Orioles uh, in, in, in classic meme slash um, Internet style. They they went with you've all heard of Elf on the Shelf, but have you heard of? And it appears to be Trey Mancini on a chicken parm slash tomato and mozzarella grilled sandwich. Um, so I'm assuming this is Mancini on a panini. Um, yes. Yes. So I, I'm sure there are various other uh, aspects. But so I'll give you a story. Obviously, um, this is the kind of content that I like. I'm sorry. Uh, you have a... Mancini on a panini segue? Absolutely. There's no question about it. Um, <laughs> so my wife is sitting there on the couch scrolling through Twitter and looking at things, and she comes across the Orioles' Twitter, and she says, huh, they're, they're literally getting as bad as you guys are. And I'm like, yes, they are. They are, <laughs> they are in the same category as us because these are the kind of silly, stupid ideas that um, you know we have lived for since 2012. It's a great thread if you if you'll go down. There's means and some beans. There's there's some uh, some good ones. Uh, I, I I'm a big fan of Ruiz on a trapeze. Birdland, well done. Uh, absolutely. Well done. All right. Well, like I said, we've got a little bit of catching up to do. There's been a lot of um, activity uh, going on since the and since the end of the season. Um, let's go ahead and go around the bases and just figure out where do we stand um, getting ready for the 2021 year ahead. Right. So, you know, obviously we're going to start at first base. We're going to have to talk a little bit about roster. Um, and, you know, I think we can start off with some you know, designated for assignments here. Um, we already talked about Eshelman. What else is there to possibly talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, I, we saw Renato Nunez get designated for assignment. Um, you know, I personally am not that surprised by that. I think there are a few folks that um, were surprised by that move, um, specifically with Renato Nunez, you know, leading the club for two years in home runs. Um, but I, I think, you know, there were a little bit more surprising, um, was Hanser Alberto also being designated for assignment, um, as well. Uh, and it was interesting to hear Elias talk about this of, you know, designating for assignment, uh, Alberto, you know, 
he he mentioned the financial constraints that were present um, with the whole arbitration process. Um, and it sounded like if it's possible, he'd love to see Alberto back in the organization for you know a lesser amount of money. Um, no comments such as that for Renato Nunez. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, two players um, that certainly had an impact on the team, um, I would say in a favorable way, um, in a positive way. So these are not, in essence, cast off saying, eh, they didn't do anything. These were good players. Um, and it's an interesting scenario to be in of, you know, asking the question, is this a, a monetary situation or is this a, a matter where um, there just isn't a spot anymore um, for these two players? Yeah, I mean, and I do think it. this is Jonathan VR all over again, right? Good player, very helpful. Any, you know, major league club, well, maybe maybe not any major league club, but they have a role on other 26-man rosters. And the Orioles parted with them because they don't fit into the future. They're not young enough. They're not, not talented enough. And they don't do enough for us in the meantime to warrant the expense. It's a bummer because I think particularly Hanser Alberto, you know, was a fan favorite in many ways and and a team leader in many ways. But, uh, you know, the Orioles aren't going to win anyway. So so what? Who cares? Yeah, like I said, I, I'm I'm less concerned about Renato Nunez of, you know, you look at Renato Nunez and we've got plenty of that kind of first baseman DH. And, and I understand the home run is something that, you know, you kind of raise your eyebrows to. Um but I think Hanser Alberto being designated for assignment was a little bit more surprising to me because, you know, he still has that bat and he has decent fielding that I felt like he was still going to, you know, in essence, be around. So I, I still feel like there's a role for Hanser Alberto on the 25 man roster coming into 2021. Um, but I understand the Orioles also wanting to be cash conservative at the same time. Um, but I do think it really echoes. Um, I think the Orioles are being very stringy at this point um, with some of the financial um, areas, um, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit in a little bit further at future basis in terms of some of those cash aspects. But um, the Heinz Alberto one is a little it, it bothers me a little bit more um, more so than anything else. Yeah, I'm not particularly fired up about it, but I, I also. I think where I come down on it is it's not really that much money. And what does it cost you to have, you know, like one fun, decent player on the team? Right. Um, Particularly because he's not, he's not keeping anybody from the position. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, he is a a fun player to watch, but again, it's, he's a fun player to watch, but like, is he actually going to draw anybody's interest to say, I'm specifically turning into an oil game to watch Hanser Alberto. I, I'd yeah. say no. Um, I can't imagine that people are saying I'm going to walk up day of um, when that comes about and saying I'm here to see Hans or Alberto. So you're absolutely right. Like he's a great role player. Um, I think he's going to, you know, if he does want to come back to the Orioles, great. Um, but I could also see him having some decent success. But even the best case scenario, I think Hans or Alberto is at best a one to two war player. He's not going to br- make or break this team um, going forward for the next two to three years. <laughs> Right. He won't make or break the team, but he might just break our hearts. Yeah. All right. So what else has happened? Uh, well, it's later, right? Yeah. So the players that were named later have been named from the 2020 trades. Rockabaco uh, has to be so happy. <laughs> right. Let's just keep asking. him. Absolutely. Let's just keep asking him forever. And, shall we? And about the weather as well, because he loves <laughs> those kind of questions. 
Um, All right, let's but let's yeah, go back. I, I think it was interesting looking at some of the players we named later. I mean, no, nobody huge, but a lot of those individuals that we thought of, like that would be like top 30 prospects in that 20 to 30 range. Um, and, and it certainly looks like the Orioles are continuing this approach that they have done um, over the past two years where they're taking a shotgun approach of they're not going after a specific person, but they're in essence continuing to fill up the pipeline um, and then just hoping that, you know, the organization um, in terms of, you know, analytics, but also um, coaches that are present in the minor league organizations are able to, in essence, teach them up, um, as it were. Um, so it's an interesting, interesting area. Um, eventually, I get a little concerned because I think you have to eventually start going after some bigger names on a prospect basis. Um, because as much as I love Adley Rutschman, I think you still need a player that's going to be another like four or five war player. And maybe that comes through the draft or something else. But I, I, I'm just, I, I'm looking for that next thing to basically click. Yeah. I, I must say though, that whenever they do make trades like that and we get a player to be named later, I always look at those as lottery tickets and in the Michael Elias regime, you know, again, they may amount to nothing, but I always find myself looking at where those players you know, resided in the prospect list for the other team and think to myself like, oh, well, that's that's surprising that they managed to get that out of this deal. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, there, there's certainly lottery tickets. And um, I, I think anything in this player to be named later. I mean, if we think back to players to be named later um, from from Oriole seasons past, it generally hasn't come out to be much of anything. Um, and I would just hope that maybe we get one or two out of like a 10, uh, out of 10 players that turn out to be, you know, Major League Baseball starting players that, you know, could be like a Hansa Alberto, like that one to two war player. Um, and you get him for cheap for five years. Sure. Absolutely. Well, speaking of getting players on the cheap, uh, we brought back Jose Iglesias in the club option only to deal him away to the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, you, were you surprised to see him go in the off season rather than in at the trade deadline this year? I actually am. Um, and I, and I think Elias mentioned this of like, there is a good amount of shortstops available in free agency this year. So it's a little weird to me that the Angels said we have to have him now and we're not willing to, in essence, go through the free agency market. Um, so I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's, I, I think the most surprising thing to me was just the timing that the Angels said we want to do this now. Um, but just looking at the return that the Orioles got, I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, he was going to be traded regardless uh, at some point in the 2021 season. So, um, you know, I think the Orioles struck when they could, and they, in essence, got him at high value. I mean, you don't have to have him come into the 2021 season, potentially get hurt, potentially have a slumping off in terms of the offensive performance. Um, they got what they needed out of him, um, and, and we move on. Yeah, I mean, looking, though, about, you know, what that does to the roster, and we, we can talk about that a, a little bit later, but, uh, you know, it, it it does mean, you know, now that the, the Orioles have a hole there, um, and they're going to have to fill that. I, I understand what you're saying, but like, um, you know, I, I look at the Orioles roster um, throughout the minors and I say for shortstop, you know, we can easily go get someone from Regency for a year or two if necessary, uh, probably for one year. Um, but the other standpoint is like, you've got, um, you got Richie Martin and you know what I say about him? He bangs, he bangs. Oh baby. <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> I did not see that one coming, and you know what? That's shame on me. Yeah, that's that's shame on you. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm giving you an idea for a future song parody, Jake. There, um, <laughs> uh, but I also look at you know players like Gunnar Henderson, um, and he had raving reviews um, come out with the with the fall instructional league, 
Um, so I, I almost raised the question of like, how long is it going to take Gunnar Henderson to get here? I don't think 2021 is appropriate for him to be coming up, but is it a situation where 2022 is a possibility for Gunnar Henderson to basically start playing shortstop actively for the Baltimore Orioles? Um, you know, we keep talking about Rutschman, but Gunnar Henderson could be really interesting. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, an all-star, but he might be that three to four war player that I was just talking about um, that could put the Orioles over the top. Here, here, here's hoping. All right. Now let's, let's discuss the rule five draft. This just happened today. Uh, and I want to start with the most surprising thing, the most notable thing to me. And that is this, the Orioles lost players in the rule five draft this year. How upset do you think Dan Duquette is about that? <laughs> no, I think anytime, anytime, Somebody says rule five draft. He he uh, he gets a little aroused. Do you think uh, Dan Duquette is like on the virtual meeting and like there's a DraftKings board and he's like watching the things come off the board and he's just like, oh my gosh, like if I hit on this parlay here, um, I get paid off at like three times the margin. Uh, and then when he sees the Orioles lose a player, he's just like, gosh darn it. He just starts ripping up his ticket. Um, it's kind of like the sting um, yeah, for Dan Duquette. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look at the Orioles losing folks like Zach Pop, and I look at them looking at, at losing Gray Fenter. And when when Zach Pop wasn't protected, I was like, someone's going to give him a shot and see what happens. And I, I look at someone like Zach Pop, and I'm like, could he stick in Major League Baseball? Maybe. Um, but more than likely, he's going to still come back to the organization, or uh, there's going to be a trade worked out, and we're going to get someone back. So I, I don't really mind this too much it's not like i think they're gone permanently um but it is odd um to see um a rule five draft pick taken from the baltimore Orioles at this given time i i do think that's a really insightful point there in the fact that they'll probably be back and we say that knowing how difficult it is to keep a rule five draft pick from the minors on your major league roster and, you know, the teams maybe haven't adjusted yet to having a 26-man roster, and so maybe it'll be easier, maybe. But uh, I think you're right. I think that those guys will, will probably, you know, more than likely be back. Um, but, yeah, I, do you think that says anything about the quality of the the organization uh, and in the farm system, or is it just a, a blip that happened this year? No, I, I do think it says something about the organization um, because, again— you know, you've got to put people on the 40-man roster to protect them. Uh, and Zach Pop was in that that area of, like, right being on the fringe. Um, and I think the Orioles looked at it and said, we're going to leave him open to potentially be picked up in the ML, in the Rule 5 draft, but we also don't think he's going to be able to stick on a Major League Baseball roster due to the innings restrictions that he has been, been on in the past. So um, I, I, I think it's one of those matters where they know the talent is there, but it, they're also thinking along the lines of, how realistic is this that he is going to be able to stick on a major league baseball roster for a prolonged season? So I think, I think it was the right move. Um, but at the same time, there is a bit of uncertainty there. Um, but I mean, to Zach pop, I said, you'll be back, you know, soon you'll see, uh, we'll remind you of, you know, what, what are you laughing about? <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. Nothing at nothing all. At okay. All. I'll, I'll just stop no, there. No. No. Uh, tell me, tell me what you think about the Orioles selections. Now the Orioles picked, uh, two players in the major league, uh, 
rounds and then uh, also picked some some players in the minor league uh, phase of the Rule 5 draft. So they picked uh, Matt Skriller. Well, how do you say that? I'm going to go with that. That sounds good. Until we're corrected all right. by all our fans uh, that listen to this podcast. But let's just go with that. They picked, they picked Matt Squirrely, which is fine. Uh, nephew of Big Ben. There you go. So a nice local connection. I I, I don't think that factored in. Uh, but, you know, he's uh, 25 years old. He played in high-level A-ball last year. So, okay, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I look at both of these and I say to myself, more than likely they're not going to, you know, stay there. I mean, they are you know, two pitchers that could potentially could be kind of that starter, but we have seen the Orioles try to do this before where they've gone out and basically said, we're going to pick up a few rule five draft picks um, to potentially be starters or fill ins. I'd be shocked if both these individuals um, make it through the entire season. I'd be shocked if even one of them make it through the entire season. So, We'll see. Well, one pitched one pitched at high A and the other pitched at double A. I mean, maybe you know double A is, is enough to make the jump, but yikes, it's a kind of a long shot. It, yeah, I think it's a long shot, and uh, again, I just I'm not I'm not sold uh, on either one of these. Um, interesting talents, but nothing that I'm I'm too concerned about. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, and then the Orioles picked a bunch of guys in the minor league phase. I'm I'm less excited about that. Although I do think it's weird that they picked uh, two two players also from high level A in in the minor league phase, uh, a, a right handed pitcher and a catcher. Um, and then they also, and this I think is more intriguing to me, uh, picked a 21 year old uh, right handed pitcher who who pitched in low level. Uh, a ball last year. I, I feel like guys like that probably have a better chance of sticking in the organization, and that's probably the better way to stock your organization uh, full of talent. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you look at Ignacio Feliz, um, he is an interesting individual just being 21 years old. Um, and, you know, if you look at some of the scouting reports on him, he kind of strikes me as that individual that has, you know, an untapped talent. And it'd be interesting to see if the Orioles could actually get into that. So I know in one of the scouting reports I threw right through baseball America earlier today, um, he had a, a 60 grade curveball. Um, so even if he's not a starter, that's interesting to me as a relief pitcher. Um, and, and like I said, we've seen a lot of benefits for young pitchers. Um, we'll call them in the, in their 19s and 20s coming into the Orioles minor league organization and being further enhanced with the data analytics. So uh, I agree with you. I'm, I'm interested more in the 21 year old than I am the 24 year olds. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to touch that. You know, maybe it shows progress for bird's eye view, but I'm going to leave that right where it is. Listen, I get handsy. Right. What can I say? <laughs> right handsy. Um, so let me go back to, to Michael Elias. He just had you know one of those Zoom calls uh, for the winter meetings, uh, so lots of juicy quotes. Um, but he talked about you know the fact that they're going to need a shortstop. He talked about the fact that they need to add starting pitching depth, um, and, he, and he said two things which I, I thought were interesting. The first is that he finds it unlikely, though he would not you know rule it out, but he finds it unlikely that they'll hand out a multi-year contract this year. Um, you know, again, being very honest about where they are with the rebuild, but that does not instill me with a lot of confidence that the confidence that I'm going to enjoy watching my shortstop this year. No, I mean, it's, it's going to be ugly, um, is, is the best way to put it. Um, 
the only thing I would say too is coming back to Iglesias. Like Iglesias had a great season last year, but it was only in thirty games. Um, and I, I do think there is a concern as it relates to the consistency uh, for someone like Iglesias to get out into the field as often as he did. So we saw a lot of issues when Iglesias was not able to go out there. Um, I think we're going to continue to see those issues in twenty twenty one. Um, but yeah, I, I think we all, in essence, are are going are, are still missing uh, seeing JJ Hardy out there and the consistency um, on, out there in terms of what that does for you know the middle infield. I'm just looking forward to Alex Cintron 2.0. No. Uh, yeah, but the, the other thing he said is that you know clearly they'd like to add starting pitching depth, whether that be at the major league or the minor league level, meaning you know minor league uh, signings with camp invites. Uh, that that just means the return to Oui LeBlanc. Oui LeBlanc. Uh, possibly. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be that caliber. Oh, yeah. Of, no, like uh, I said, do not expect anything big. This is not something that we should be uh, on our phones or looking for. It. It's it's going to be absolutely nothing, um, and it's going to be really cheap is the best way to put it for this year. Um, so just, just ride with it. And I think the big story this year is going to be um, you know, what happens with, again, minor league player development and who is ready to come up in late 2021 and or at the beginning of 2022 um, when we start to get a little bit of a sniff of what the future is going to look like um, uh, for the Orioles potentially getting it back into that kind of playoff contention. Sure. All right. Well, can we uh, can we wander over to second base at this point? I'd like to discuss the ongoing saga of Chris Davis. Sure. Look, I I know that um, you know there's not a whole lot going on, and so uh, reporters and and bloggers and podcasters need to make you know more of a meal out of things than there is. Uh, but I got to be honest that uh, that series of quotes that came out from Chris Davis's uh, Zoom interview uh, this past week had a lot of nothing burgers in it, but a couple of of truly ugly moments as well. Yeah, I'd say that I'm not even sure I would say they're ugly. It was, um, I would say, probably not being as well versed in terms of understanding the audience that you were speaking to. Um, <laughs> Um, but it was very direct, um, is, is the best way to put it. So, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, what, what, what was the one quote that really made you be like, Ugh, like, I'm not sure about that. Well, you know, I, he talked about the, the rebuild at some point. He's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to make of this whole rebuild. I mean, are we starting over from scratch or what? He said, the tough thing about being an older player is sometimes the moves that are made are going to affect the team in a more positive way when you're not on the team. And right there, he just acknowledges, Hey, a rebuild doesn't need a guy like me. Yeah. And then in the same interview says, but I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I know that they've committed all this money to me. He he said, uh, you know, what would he, he said? It was one big lump of of that, and, and the, that they're stuck with him. Um, so you know, out of one side of his mouth saying, "Hey, this is how rebuilds work," and on the other side of his mouth saying, "But I'm gonna, just, I'm just gonna take the money and stay." Um, it's just, just sad. It's just sad. Yeah, and again, I, I come back down to. Um this is comes back to the audience aspect. It's almost like you're saying things, but not thinking through what you're saying is the best way to put it. It's like, I'm, I'm doing a stream of consciousness aspect, but I'm not being considered. So like 
when you when you mention things like you know I know Mike and Sig and Hyde have a good idea of what they're trying to accomplish, but sometimes it doesn't look like you think it would. It it's almost like well, Chris, what do you think it should look like? What like what do you think a rebuild should look like? Um, because obviously you have a, a great amount of baseball prowess um, in order to understand how you need to change things up in order to to improve. Um, so, so so tell me like. What do you want it to look like? Um, because obviously you're a very gifted and you know intellectual individual um, kind of going forward. So we're in what, year five of his deal? This upcoming will be year six of his seven-year deal. Is that right? I think that's right. It seems like an eternity, though. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and he's amassed a negative 2.4 war in that time. Yeah, so he's you're absolutely right. He so we're going into year six uh for twenty twenty one. Um year seven will be the final year in twenty twenty two. Um and then he's a free agent going for twenty twenty three. So we'll, <laughs> we'll have to see if the Orioles are willing to in essence commit more money to him at that point. Um but yeah. A franchise a franchise record amount of money. But yeah, I mean uh he's got two more years left. Um yeah. again, I mean good dude. Good really good guy. Uh, had a good couple of years for us, but I, and I appreciate that. I understand where he's coming from because some of the things were like, "Hey, I didn't get a fair shake in, in 2020. Like it was a weird year. Like I, I want to see if I can do something with it in 2021." Which is like, all right, I I can I can kind of understand where you're coming from from that given aspect of like 2020 was certainly a weird season for a lot of players. Um, but a part of me is also like, Chris, like if it doesn't click. Like, at what point do you just be like, yeah, this isn't going to work? And, <laughs> and I just feel like there is almost a, a we, we've seen this with older players. We've seen this like with like BJ Surhoff and stuff like that before. Like, there's almost like a lack of humility of like, well, I am who I am and that should be good enough for the team. And it's just like, but it, but it's not like <laughs> it's not even close to it. So I, I want to like, I want to like Chris Davis and I like a lot of stuff he does outside in the community, but a lot of the quotes here are also similar to some of the aspects that we've talked about in previous seasons of like, I don't think he quite gets it. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. Scotty, this is bumming me out. So I need a palate cleanser, just a, a tonal palate cleanser. So let's, let's slide hard into third base. Let's talk about 21, uh, 2021 promotional schedules, shall we? Yeah, we, can we call this 2021 asterisk previous 2020 promotional schedule? I'm going to assume that most of them are left over. But some of them some of them are exciting, and some of them are, you know, um, also there. Yeah. Uh, All right, let me tell you about the one that I am most tell me, excited about. Tell me about which one you are most giddy about potentially getting. I love hats. Really? I love I love everything about baseball caps. Uh, so I'm excited about the uh, Baltimore Elite Giants cap. Now, it's important that I pronounce that correctly because the last time uh, that team came up on this program, I mispronounced it and uh, Orioles Twitter was there uh, to pounce. Thank you for setting me straight. But no, I think it's really cool. I, I, I love uh, the callback to history. I love the recognition of the organization. Um, and it's, and it's a cool look, you know, it's I'm a nice, say that classic, is a uh, really lock, lock nice looking hat, uh, it is the best way to put it. So, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say that is, uh, one of the ones when I was looking through the promotion schedule, I'm like, and if, uh, we can go to those games, I would like <laughs> to go to this one, uh, specifically. So, um, 
yeah, that, that one was interesting to me. What what else um, intrigued you? All right, so that was one that I liked. Let me uh, let me let me tell you about something that I I'm not sure I'm, I don't know how to feel about. Um, and Scott, I don't want to alarm you, but you know I'm a man of a certain age. I may not be hip anymore, Scott. I may not be cool. I may not know what's working with the. I don't know what jives with the kids right now. Um, and so I need someone who listens to this program to contact us and tell us, um, are fanny packs still a thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Fanny packs are huge right now. All right. Well, the Orioles are going to, are going to give away a fanny pack and do we need to get (sighs) Olivia Witherite on this, on this podcast to tell you that fanny packs are all the rage? I mean, yeah, let's talk to her. I would love to talk to her on so many things and fanny packs would certainly be on that list. But I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna. I, I have a problem with a fanny pack. Okay. Shouldn't it be neon in some way? Shouldn't it be uh, offensive to the eyes? Isn't that what a fanny pack is for? So what you're telling me is it needs to be neon orange and it needs to have the ornithological bird on it. Yeah, I need this to be straight back to 1994. Okay. Come on. I mean, um, you know, I think that is a a comment that we can give the Baltimore Orioles, and uh, you know, maybe in the future they can can rectify that for you. What what about you? When when you you know look up and down the promotional schedule, what do you see that that uh, elicits a response? Because you know, again, we we've done this now for yeah. years and years and years and years. So you know, they've they've really got to do something to to catch my attention. So there's a few things that I think are interesting. One other one that I marked down on my list my list of saying I'd like to maybe go to that game just because that promotion one was the Mister Trash Wheel water bottle. Again, not something that is like super like awesome, but it's that kind of like Baltimore like wink and nod that I'm like, yeah, I could get behind that. Like that sounds like a cool one to do. Um, it was also interesting to see the Orioles really go out hard and basically do bobbleheads after bobbleheads, which I think is a super smart idea on their hand. Um, I'm not a huge bobblehead guy. Like I'm looking through my office and I probably got like 12 to 15, but it's not like I actively go after them. It's more, you know, I'm giving them or, you know, I get them in the game. Um, but the Mr. Trash Wheel water bottle one was an interesting one for me. And one that I kind of marked as like, that would probably be another, another game I would go um, to as well. Well, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm totally uninterested in bobbleheads. That's just not, not something I'm, I'm big on, but I did think it was clever that the bobbleheads that, that I did see were um, not players who could be traded away. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, like one, Jim Palmer is, with the kick up uh, with the leg kick. <laughs> Yeah, you got Jim Palmer and you got uh, the Oriole Birds uh, mascot Hall of Fame. So I, I, I well done. Well yeah. done, Orioles. I, I did look at the Jim Palmer one and I was, um, let's just say, analyzing it. Um, it's <laughs> the appropriate way because I'm like, this is really a missed opportunity if they didn't make the leg bobble um, and had that leg kick up and you could just flick the leg and have the leg go back and forth. But Again, that could also get really dangerous. Um, I, I, I think I'd probably be flicking that leg a little too often. That that is disappointing. Now that I've uh, now that you bring that up, that is that is a missed opportunity. Well, let me uh, let me say this. Back to the um, back to the products. I'm not really sure how to feel about. Uh, take a look at the at the Hawaiian shirt that they're going to be doing this year. Way, way, way less orange yeah one of the things i love about the hawaiian shirt is that they're just like garishly almost offensively orange and i really i really enjoy that that aesthetic 
this a little more muted black is the primary color some palm leaves on there plus uh you know the the oreo bird logo i mean what do you think about this hawaiian shirt no bueno don't like it whatsoever i want the the gaudiness aspect of a hawaiian shirt and this doesn't strike me as that so uh i i'm giving this a a a, a thumbs down um you know in Rays fan style so uh not a fan uh, bring back the orange gaudy-ish uh hawaiian shirts i agree i mean i'm still gonna try to get there but i agree with you wholeheartedly wholeheartedly yeah, so you know, some some interesting things, some uh, some boring items. I got to be honest, the Father's Day giveaway, the uh, yeah, canvas. I don't understand holder, that whatsoever. Like I said, it makes yeah. no sense to me. That's blah. That's blah. But it, I did have uh, a question for you. Again, not knowing what the kids are into these days, um, you know, they, they do the the kids run the bases, they do the fireworks, they have things on the promotional schedule. One of the things that I'm, I'm interested about is this summer music series. Is this an actual draw for people? Does it actually bring people to the ballpark? I, I can't imagine that it is a draw for people. I mean, it's nice, like pregame and stuff like that, but like, I, I don't see anybody saying I'm specifically going to an Orioles game to go watch this person in concert. So I don't know. I, I, I don't mind it, but it's not something that I'm like, up, oh, you know, I need to go to this because it's a summer music series. Yeah. And, and, uh, again, listeners, let us know if we're wrong. Anybody that, that, you know, goes to these, uh, summer music series, you know, religiously, people that, that seek it out, tell us, tell us what we're missing. I mean, are there, are there good artists? Is it a, is it a certain kind of music? I feel like all I've seen has been like, you know, country and, and singer songwriters type of deal. Uh, but I just feel yeah. like in, it, you know, outside of COVID for 2020, but like, if you think about 2021, there are so many other instances of like, if you want to find good music in Baltimore, it's so easy to do so. Like in the summertime, you got, you got first Thursdays hosted by WTMD in, in, in Baltimore. So like you can go and listen for, three hours in, in Mount Washington um, to some really great music of not just Baltimore artists, but like, um, you know, top, you know, artists that are in kind of that old, adult contemporary, you know, folk, um, you know, area. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand the allure um, of this. I think there are better ways to see music in the Baltimore area um, rather than going to an Orioles game. All right. Well, again, listeners, if you go to this, if you love this, you know, tweet at us at BirdseyeViewBAL. Let us know, you know, g- give us a raft of uh, of your opinion because because uh, this is ignorance talking. Yeah, we're That's, all mad. That like, should be we, the theme of this pod of our podcast. We love this music from the '60s talking. as opposed to music from this century. That's true. That's true. All right. Let's let's slide into home here. I want to talk about COVID, Scotty. I want to talk about I want to talk about COVID because I want you to set me straight. I want you to validate or dismiss a feeling that I have, an observation that I've made. Is it my imagination, Scott, or was Major League Baseball's management of COVID nineteen uh, better than what we're seeing from the NFL right now? So I, I have a few things to say to this, and um, you know, I would say I don't really think that Major League Baseball did a great job. I mean, we can just go back to the World Series, um, sure, and, and say, 
that was probably not the best way to handle business. And, you know, I think there are, were a multitude of instances during the Major League Baseball season that were just like, once again, probably not the best way to do it. Um, you know, I think looking at the NFL right now, there are obviously a ton of issues as, as well. Um, but I also think that we can take a look at the current caseload and the positivity rate within the country um, within this fall period of October and November and now going into December. Um, and a part of me is just like, if I were to put, you know, Rob Manfred and, you know, you know, and the NFL against each other, I'd be like, I think they're probably doing similar, similar methods and similar tactics. Um, at I also wonder, I also wonder how we feel differently if, you know, Baltimore for the NFL, you know, the Ravens have been just ripped through by COVID, whereas the Orioles, you know, were, were large, largely uh, untouched. You know, would we feel differently about it if we were fans of like the Cardinals or the Brewers or, you know, some of the teams of the Marlins, right? Teams that really got hit and lost games and, and things of that nature. You know, maybe it's a perspective issue just about, you know, which which team you root for. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just but, look at it as I think both leagues, in essence, you know, sacrificed and put up their players um, to basically, you know, satisfy the monetary needs. Um, and I think everyone was aware of that. I think everyone is you know, seeing that as it relates to the NFL right now. I think we saw that during Major League Baseball season. Um, it is what it is. And like but I said, I don't think there are any differences in protocol um, that are, are, you know, wide ramping. I think it's just that there is protocols being putting in place. But then it's just like, yeah, there's don't really matter. We can make up the rules as we go along. It's like, whose line is it anyways? The points don't matter and uh, and the rules don't matter. The game's made up of the points still matter. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're telling me it is my imagination. I, I think it's your imagination specifically of like you are thinking that one organization may be smarter than the other. And what I'm here to tell you is they're both really dumb. <laughs> I will accept. I will accept that answer. All right. While I think about how dumb Major League Baseball is, I'd like to take a quick break, refill my beverage, and come back and talk about one of the ways in which Major League Baseball is being dumb. Really dumb. All right, Scotty, I want to talk a little bit about a, a shuffling in the minor leagues. The Orioles have announced their minor league affiliations. And as expected, Frederick is on the outside looking in, not on the list of affiliated organizations with the Baltimore Orioles. Instead, Frederick will participate in, I think it's a six team dream league, uh, which is some sort of wooden bat collegiate league run by major league baseball, I guess. Yeah. Like Cape Cod uh, League, basically, um, you got like fifty to sixty games, and it's a an ability for um, you know aspiring college juniors to come out and basically showcase their talents. Um, is the best way to put it. And and they've done you know exactly what we thought they they've eliminated the short season uh, pen league uh, and, and removed an entire stop on the minor league um, system. Uh, you know, in that short season uh, single A low-level single-A league. Uh, but, you know, so they, uh, again, as we were talking about earlier, they did invite Aberdeen to return to the organization as the Orioles' high-level uh, A-ball affiliate. 
I have to be honest. I, I'm. It, it looked like they were telegraphing that. It, it seemed like the simplest thing, but I am uh, a little surprised to have seen that happen. Um, and y- you and I live in Hartford County, so it'll be interesting to see what the impacts of uh, higher level baseball uh, in in Aberdeen are. Do you think that being able to watch a high high level A club and more interesting prospects will be a bigger draw for the Aberdeen Ironbirds? Uh, I don't think to the common fan that will be the case. Um, I think the bigger story for Aberdeen is going from a short season now to a longer season. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how well Aberdeen does in terms of filling the stadium. We talked about this earlier. Frederick did an amazing job um, with an attendance standpoint. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in Aberdeen, is Hartford County able to kind of support um, that that avenue for you know a multitude of more games? I mean, you're going from a 50 to 60 game season to I think it's 140. So you're in essence almost you know you're over more than doubling uh, your games. Um, so it'll be interesting to me at least to see you know if you're doubling the amount of games, you know what does that mean in terms of season tickets? What does that mean in terms of sponsorships? Do people you know come out to the games more? Um, you know, if there are games being played in Aberdeen in, uh, in May of this year, I'm not sure if that'll be the case for 2021, but, you know, going forward, you know, is it a situation where people are going to say, yeah, I need to go to an Ironbirds game in May, um, because typically Ironbirds games have been, well, it's, it's the summer and there's nothing to do. Let's go to an Ironbirds game. Sure. The the other question that I have, and this is ignorance talking, I'm, I'm asking the question, not, not, uh, saying that I know one way or the other. But what does the removal of the short season A ball do from a development standpoint? And what I mean by that is, did short season professional baseball benefit player development for players coming directly from college or high school or what have you? And is that going to hamper players going directly from either college or rookie ball to, uh, you know, basically to, to go to Delmarva? Uh, where it's a full season. Is that too big a jump, or am I making mountains out of molehills? I don't think you're making it into a mountain. I, I think the bigger question is, you know, even with certain prospects, and let's call it, you know, the top 10 draft picks within a draft for the given season, you know, typically they went to Delmarva pretty quickly. Like, if they're a top prospect, they're going to Delmarva within, like, two or three weeks. Even if they're in that top 10 you know, they would maybe spend that one first part of the season in, you know, Aberdeen, and then they would immediately go to to Delmarva. So, um, I'm less concerned about the aspect of player development. What I'm more concerned about is, um, does this basically start to preclude um, certain talent that is in those, you know, upper draft picks? Let's say they're you know, someone that's picked in like round 20 or round 25, do those players no longer get a shot anymore um, to potentially be that needle in a haystack? Um, So I'm not really concerned about player development. I'm more concerned about opportunities that could potentially be out there. All right. All right. Here's my last question about Aberdeen. It might be my imagination. I might be making this up, but I feel like at the higher levels of minor league baseball, the names become less ridiculous, less kitschy. And at the lower levels of minor league baseball, that's where you get the ridiculous ones. 
is the Aberdeen Ironbirds too dumb a name for a high level A club? No, I don't think so. I think uh, it is uh, right in the wheelhouse um, of being a, a classic uh, minor league baseball team name. I mean, uh, how is Ironbirds any different than Bowie Bay Sox? Um, so I, I'm okay with it. Okay. All right. So you think they'll make that adjustment to the Carolina League just fine? I think it'll be fine. Um, I'm not too concerned about that as of just yet. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Well, good. Well, good. All right. So, I mean, we've talked about the fact that it's terrible that uh, Major League Baseball is, is uh, wrecking minor league communities the way they are. It's unfortunate that Frederick has been touched by this. I, I really, I really do worry about, you know, how this will impact, you know, growing the game um, as as it pertains to, you know, making an appetite for baseball. Uh, but we'll just have to see. Uh, the baseball, you know, thinks that this is the way to make more money, certainly. Um, and I think also, you know, adding things like the Dream League is also an effort to, to you know, take over the, yes. the development pipeline of baseball in a way that they haven't before. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with you about that of this is more major league baseball getting their hands in there and saying, I'm going to, in essence, manipulate this a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I, I very, very frustrating, um, is the best way to put it. Um, and like I said, I ultimately also look at Frederick and I really feel bad. I mean, I'm glad that they still have baseball, but there is also in a, a, a thought process in my head of like, you know, there is a certain joy of going and seeing a player that you saw at Frederick come up and play in Bowie, you know, play at the Orioles and stuff like that. And and that's no longer going to be the case. You're literally going to be going to see games where it's going to be a constant reassortment of players. Um, so you may see higher level talent um, within this kind of short season, but it may not be for the be for your local team. Um, and I think that's a really hard um pill to swallow for a lot of frederick fans sure all right well anything else uh related to the minor league shuffle that we saw no just rob manfred's a terrible commissioner and should be shot to the moon to the moon alice to the moon to the moon all right let's uh let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll blow the save and get out of here sounds good Scott, I want to ask you, how are you doing? How is the world of COVID? How is all this affecting you as a baseball fan? I have to be honest with you. I felt like the winter meetings kind of snuck up on me this year. Maybe it's all the current events swirling around. Maybe it's just this time of life being busy. But I feel like this year was one in which, you know, the, the winter meetings just jumped up on me. I was like, oh. That's right. That's happening now. Rather than me looking anxiously towards some desperate news from the baseball world. Did you have a similar experience or am I nuts? I'm in the aspect of COVID and baseball right now where I'm just like, I'm, you know, going to let it lie. I don't want to be thinking about baseball 
too much right now. Um, you know, the winter meetings, I didn't really follow them at all. You know, typically I'm like, all right, who's making this move? Who's making this move? Like what kind of rumors coming out? Um, this one was more like, you know, a typical zoom meeting for me where like it's talking in the background, but I'm actually really listening to the zoom meeting. Um, so I, I, I think I'm not going to get overly excited about baseball, uh, until we see men in shorts once again. Um, Oh, you know how I love men in shorts. So until I see men in shorts, I'm not going to in essence associate that baseball is a real thing for the 2021 season. Well, we were terrible at this last year. We made predictions, but uh, full season next year, what do you think? Oh, I think yes, that we'll have a full season. Um, and I think at some point during the 2021 season, uh, we will see fans in the stands. Um, maybe not to the degree that we had typically seen for a full stadium, um, but more so like the Rays owner said of like, yeah, we're really good at hosting 10,000 people in our stadium, so we'll manage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast these days. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. And please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.